0: Bud Light presents Real Men of Genius.
1: Real Men of Genius.
0: Today we salute you, Mr. Nosebleed Section Ticket Holder Guy. Nosebleed
2: Section Ticket Holder Guy.
0: Congratulations. With the help of two Sherpas and a mountain goat, you have finally reached your seats.
1: Touch the sky. Tickets, check.
0: Souvenir, check. Oxygen mask, check.
1: Getting dizzy.
0: From where you sit, you can see your house, and Canada, and Japan. I
1: see Okinawa.
0: The one thing you can't see, the game. Oh, no! So crack open a nice cold Bud Light, oh chairman of the cheap seats. Because you, sir, sit on top of the world, literally.
2: Mr. Big you can hold you
0: guys. Bud Light beer, and I said, we're St. Louis, Missouri.
3: Get back to this player selection conversation, okay? Because I got some, got some thoughts. Yeah,
4: I've been thinking about it. Yeah. Ryan Howard, right?
1: Mm-hmm. What? Look, like If it's me, I'm going Chase Utley, 100% of the time. He's a power-hitting second baseman. Do you know how rare that is in the yeah. National League? Well, yeah,
4: and he's hot, which is, like, number one he is. on my list. But I really like Ryan Howard.
1: Now, you're kissing Chase Utley, and that's it.
3: Why are you pushing Chase Utley on me? It's starting <laughs> to get weird.
1: Okay, look, I have a plan, all right? And it involves you getting this letter to him when you got out there to kiss him. Now, I have given this to Major League Baseball, his lawyer, his manager, his mom, and he has not gotten back to me, which means he hasn't gotten it yet. So just...
3: Okay. What is in this letter? That's
1: none of your business, all right? Just get it to Chase.
3: Did you write a love letter to Chase that Lisa?
2: In a lot of ways, yes, I do love him, but that is not a love letter in the way that you're thinking of it, okay? There's nothing sexual or...
3: Okay, that sounds good. I'm read. I'm
4: read it. Get out,
2: read it. Dear
3: Chase, oh shit, there's stickers. Yeah. My God. Oh, we well, gotta jazz good. it up. You yeah, sure, you sure do. I wanna make it. You pop. sure do. Dear Chase, I feel like I can call you Chase because you and me are so much alike. Really, I would love to meet you someday. It would be great
4: to have a catch. I know I can't throw as fast as you, but I think you would be impressed with my speed. I love your hair you
3: run fast did you have a good relationship with your father me neither these are all things we can talk about and more i know you have not been getting my
4: letters because i know you would write back if you did and i hope you write back this time and we get to be good friends i am sure our relationship would be a real home
3: run
2: Hi, I'm Chase Utley, and today on Philly's Mailbag, I'll be answering a letter from a Philadelphia youngster named Mac. Here's what Mac writes: Dear Chase, I feel like I can call you Chase because you and me are so much alike. I would love to meet you someday. It would be great to have a catch. I know I can't throw as fast as you, but I think you would be impressed with my speed. I love your hair. You run fast. Do you have a good relationship with your father? Me neither. These are all things that we can talk about, and more. I am sure our relationship would be a real home run. Rooting for you always, Mac. Thanks Mac, great letter. Here's my letter back to Mac. Dear Mac, I feel like I can call you Mac because you called me Chase. Sorry it took me five years to write you back, but I'm really busy playing a lot of baseball for the Phillies. Thank you for the compliment on my hair. It's my fourth favorite thing after baseball, running fast, and my dad. I'm sorry your dad doesn't like you. Maybe you could become a better son. Meeting you and having a game of catch sounds like a lot of fun, but like I said, I'm really busy playing a lot of baseball for the Phillies. I hope you have a good life. Fans like you make my life a grand slam. Your good friend, Chase. And that's it for Phillies Mailbag.
0: Bob Costas, and a huge part of my baseball upbringing had to do with Stratomatic. I first played it when I was 12 years old. I had a cousin who was slightly older than me who had gotten into the game first. And we learned so much, not only about the contemporary players of the mid-1960s, but about the all-time teams, the 1924 Senators, the 1934 Gas House Gang, the 48 Indians, the 47 Dodgers, the 61 and 27 Yankees, and on and on. So much baseball history, the nicknames, the fielding abilities, the the running abilities, the whole thing. And now I have to bring up this one subject, and that man's name is Gary Geiger. Now, Gary Geiger had a decent big league career as a journeyman outfielder, and sometime in the mid-1960s, 66, 67, I think he hit like 196 for the year, but he hit six home runs in about 100 at-bats. I'm going off the top of my head here. The point is that 3-6 on his card was a home run. A clear home run. This is before the days when Stratomatic got a little more sophisticated and went with lefty-righty splits. Didn't matter who was pitching. Didn't matter what the fatigue factor was. 3-6, gone. Gary Geiger, that was the deal. Even though he was hitting only 196. Anyway, my cousin and I are playing... A seven-game World Series. And in the bottom of the ninth inning of the seventh game, between the Atlanta Braves featuring Gary Geiger on the bench and the Cincinnati Reds, the team he was managing, Frank Robinson by this time gone to the Orioles. But I think they still got Veda Pinson. They got Jim Maloney. I mean, they're good. They're good. They got the young Pete Rose. You get the idea. Anyway, they are up by three going to the bottom of the ninth. Two outs, nobody on. I load the bases on a single, a walk, and an error. But I am down to the pitcher's spot in the order. And even though I have other choices, I'm thinking I'm going to really roll the dice here. Not just the two white and the red. I'm going to really roll the dice. I'm going with Gary Geiger. I got other guys that might have been able to deliver a base hit, more likely than Geiger with his sub-Mendoza line batting average, but still, I'm thinking, what if this guy comes through big time? What if 3-6 turns up? Well, you know what happened next. Gary Geiger was announced, because you had to announce your guys, and you had to take the card and move it from the dugout to your right, and kind of advance it toward the plate, and put it in its appropriate position with the necessary pomp and circumstance and then he settles into the imaginary batter's box and you blow on those dice and you let him go and there it is three six gone pinch hit grand slam homer gary geiger bottom of the ninth final score seven to six costas over his cousin john miller in the seventh game of this world series now john miller has since gone on a middle-aged man, obviously, do the math, as am I. John Miller has since gone on to be a successful doctor, an esteemed oncologist. He has saved lives. He has made a significant life for himself. To this day, if you walk up to Dr. John Miller and you say, 3-6, you don't even have to say Gary Geiger. You say Gary Geiger, his head might explode. But if you just say 3-6, the man will be livid. It'll be a flashback that may cause him to faint dead away. That's the effect that Stratomatic had on my youth and why I'm happy to help you commemorate its 50th anniversary. In fact, this should be a national holiday if you ask me. All the best, all you Stratomatic seam heads.
3: Video complex, it's straight out of God's country, Pauly's Island, South Carolina, the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network proudly presents Backwards
4: K-Pod. And now, here's the host of the show, Jake Robinson. I never move slow, Lord, welcome to my dojo, there's other parts of so-so, I'm like bro, yo, focus like a GoPro ripping up this promo, check out the school board, freaks, i throw a no-no's going, it's going, it's going, yo, it's gone your heart just stop. cause Jake got strong and mighty, undefeated I mean it, put up the pot, scroll down and read it, written, produced directed and mixed, dumb on your lips and with Smith backflips pick a tip, any tip, beat on to it, I got ridiculous pods without forcing it, you sit at home crying like a girl, while I spread the gospel around the world, yo, the pot- are written behind tracks that mixed in smooth with the groove to make his wanna listen. Add a little cut and a rhythm to back it up. Another show of my name, so I'ma stack it up. You think another one wrap right back, but this ain't no adjack. My hobby's to rhyme I'm trying to be black, but that's about time I bust out. Call this show BKP and let me turn it out. Yup, Nick the Snake born to 71. Dates, you know what time it is, I'm packing them guns. Your experience, I've been a witness to glory. And that's why I collect ball players and their stories. Y'all heard So, once again back is the incredible, the pod animal, Jake the Snake Robinson From the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network I'm coming out of all these islands, South Kakalaki Half man, half podcast machine Back in the Captain Kirk chair, steels down, photons up Prepare to engage on this week's digital audio program that I call Backwards K-Pop, where we collect ball players and their stories. What's cracking, you seem head freaks? What's good? Welcome back for another week of the podcast spectacle that is Backwards K-Pop. I'm Jake Robinson. I got you a hook up. I'm if you hear me. And y'all looking real shocked right now. I told y'all I had balls, right? Nah, what, wah, wah. The 2023 baseball season continues to roll on. And so does our BKP freight train. That's been a relatively quiet tra- trade day line, uh this year. Until, you know, the past couple of days. The Pirates traded Carlos Santana to Milwaukee for a bass player and a drummer. The Mets shipped David Robinson to the fish with some prospects. The Angels did not trade Ohtani as I predicted they would not. And in fact, they went out and made a deal for White Sox pitcher Lucas Giolotto as the Halos are only two games out in the wild card hunt. And they have signaled their intention of, you know, they're going for it. The Rangers traded two really great prospects for Matt Serzer, which I don't think was smart. I got a lot of shit on Facebook for it. But, they also got Jordan Montgomery from St. Louis, which I think is a great deal. Uh, the, the Orioles they brought in Shitar Fujinami, who looks to be you know one of these other Mike Elias sneaky moves. Now he's looked terrific so far. That Baltimore bully. So trades are starting to come in frenetically. We had a couple before I went on the air, uh, and I'm just going to gather them all up. And next week maybe we'll hit on a few of them. Uh, not a whole lot of pregame chatter this week. I'm ready to get after it, dig into our topic, as this week, we're going to talk the Stratomatic baseball game that has been quietly influential in the evolution of the game and how we consume it today. So let's get all of you seam heads on my BKP time travel choo-choo. Clear this pa- platform, kiss your loved ones goodbye, as I call all aboard... I'm going to set our time and destination for Great Neck, New York, 1947, where 11-year-old seamhead head Hal Richmond has just completed the first prototype of a game that will eventually become Stratomatic. And before Stratomatic, there were some cheesy baseball board games out there that tried to simulate baseball game action, but the concepts were highly flawed. And the games really never became profitable. They never really caught on. Richmond was able to basically capture the essence of Major League Baseball. And it allowed each team head to live the managerial experience. And with that, all the chaos and excitement that goes with the position of being a field general. And the randomness of three dice and the real stats from every player in the majors was Really all you needed to make or break your opponent. And it kept the game grounded in believability. And the game played to all of our instincts that we still hold today as baseball fans. In the context of, I can do a better job than the people who are currently running my favorite team. And if you go into these social media sites these days... uh, that are team-based especially, you will find that that is still the prevailing thought for many sports fans today. Stratomatic was the precursor to fantasy sports, which operates on that same subliminal uh, subliminal motivation here in the 2000s. 62 years later, people still play Strat. In fact, during the COVID-19 pandemic, The company actually saw a renaissance in sales, and of course, like anything in today's age, there are strat apps and PC, digital games on the market to keep that game alive. And if you talk to some of the people who grew up on the game, you'll hear the memories emerge of all those crazy contests between brothers, sisters, best friends, and relatives. The Ripken boys, Cal and Billy, would often become very Combustible with one another after a tightly contested game. A teenage Dan Patrick once faked an illness so he could stay home from school to celebrate the arrival of the game's updated player cards. He's often joked that while his friends were looking through Playboy magazines at that age, he was hard at work studying player stats and tendencies off of his cards. And apparently Dan and his former colleague, Gary Miller, who worked with him at CNN and ESPN, they were fierce, Strat rivals who would square up with one another constantly, wherever and whenever. Whether it was a uh, Turner Field in Atlanta on an airplane flight together or even in a bar somewhere. <laughs> I'm literally just imagining Dan and Gary playing, you know, Stratomatic in a Hooters somewhere in Sheboygan, Wisconsin. Ah. And more than one game between the two was ended in expletive laced tirades with sometimes the two not speaking to each other for a couple of days before they would play each other again to break the tension. Former first baseman Keith Hernandez professes to still have a strat addiction to this day. After Lenny Deister dropped Dong in game three of the 1986 World Series, he remarked to the reporters that the last time he had done that was playing Stratomatic as a young teenager. Many of the game's most iconic journalists, television and radio analysts, such as Vince Scully, Bob Costas, Tim Kirchkin, John Millard, t- just to name a few, were influenced by the detailed stats of the card, and they and then that would carry over into the, their successful careers and their iconic presentations of their craft. And here we are, pulling up into Great Neck, New York, nineteen forty-seven. Right outside of 11-year-old Hal Richmond's house where he is feverishly trying to develop a baseball game that would be an improvement over his current favorite baseball board game, All-Star Baseball. A game that he played so often, he wore up that flimsy cardboard spinner that came with the game. A major flaw of the game that he noted while developing his own creation. He was also disappointed in the game's lack of ability to incorporate all of the baseball's defining aspects, such as pitching, defense, and speed. Hal loved sports in general, but he was a seamhead through and through, who had a fascination with the game's numbers. And while he loved sports, he was never particularly skilled at playing any of them. Growing up on Long Island, he couldn't even make the winless high school basketball team. He becomes consumed at eleven years old to live out his Athletic dreams somehow and he begins in earnest to work on his vision. In his young mind, uh, he identified the timing as perfect because there was a void there and he wanted a better product himself. Surely there were more baseball fans just like him looking to scratch that itch. If Richmond's basement was his laboratory summer camp would become his proving grounds, where he would test his product on the three baseball crazy boys he roomed with. And they would often play during the hour when the counselors rested and the, the other campers gnat. And the, the game became so popular among the boys at camp that they actually formed a four-man team league, and that was so that they could have two games going during that hour. And for years... Richmond would work on his creation. Sometimes he would wake up from a dead sleep, write any idea that he might have thought of in his sleep down on a piece of paper and go back to sleep. Then the next day he would try to work it out with any spare time that he could find. He had developed a reputation as the crazy baseball kid who was always carrying around his board game everywhere he went. When he began applying for colleges, his mother, Helen, warned her entrepreneurial son to not mention his creation for fear he would be branded as a nerd. And that was before she drained his bank account of $10,000, which was his entire bar mitzvah earnings to maintain the family home, leaving only $21 in the account. The passion for the game, as well as his creation, began to mature into a business. With a $6,000 loan from a supporter of friends, Hal launches his brand and his company. $6,000 in 1961, and has the purchasing power of almost $62,000 today. And... Richmond's hard work and dedication, as well as always looking for upgrades to his 11-year-old vision, would eventually uh, embed itself into the DNA of baseball culture. But it was not an overnight sensation. And in the beginning, it was a lot of hard work and challenges that Hal had not foreseen as a kid with a dream. The early years were relentless. And a testament to the testicular fortitude of Richmond. He personally had to type out orders, handle shipping, and distribution by himself from October to December. And those were the you know months that he's got to set up for the new season. He's putting in 80 hours a week during those months. But thankfully, he could cut back to around 60 hours a week during the baseball season. In 1963, with sales lagging and projections falling short of his goals and expectations, Hal had to humble himself and ask his father Irvin for a $5,000 loan to keep his dream alive. And 5K in 1963 is around 50 grand debt. His father was a real hard ass towards Hal all of his life and he ostensibly agreed to loaning his son the Dell under the caveat of the loan must be paid in full by November and if it is short, By a penny, he will join the family life insurance business. Years after the success of Strat, Richmond revisited his childhood home, and he asked the new owners if they had heat in the house. The owner quizzically looks back at Hal and says, Well, yes, of course we have, you know, heat. We've always had heat. And Richmond slyly shot back. "Uh, Sorry about the weird question. My father was very frugal. I used to see my breath in the morning in my bedroom. My father had heat. Nobody else in the house did. Irvin Richmond had a hair trigger. He loved to argue. He was never scared to throw them hands. And Richmond remembers the last time he saw his father in a fistfight. The old man was 81 years old. He started the altercation and he was going at a 39-year-old in a blaze of glory. He and his business partner, his own brother, would rage on each other physically in the office in front of everyone. And Richmond recalls, there was a fight or argument in my house every single night. He loved his father. Like all kids love their parents. But that son of a bitch made it tough. And he never felt this father-son bond with him. Asking his father for a loan was the last thing he ever wanted to do, but he had no choice. Of course, his father was going to add conditions. Deep down, Hal knows his father is expecting him to fail. He's going to go down in flames and make me work with him and my crazy-ass uncle. And he's going to lord it over me until the cantankerous son of a bitch takes his last-ditch breath. As he looks in his father's eyes, he knows exactly what the old man thinks of him and his chances, and he refuses to capitulate to the fear of failure. He accepts the deal from his father because deep down, Hal cannot see past his creation. He loves and believes in this game so much. He's willing to go all in versus his father's uh, emotionally terroristic, manipulative, and blackmail ways. In essence, he has the confidence to move all his chips to the center of the table, take his father's money, and graciously say thank you. This last five grand should put him and his fledgling dream over the top. It had to work. The alternative road was way too devastating for how to bear. When he was asked if his father was helpful or supportive in any way, he would always shoot back, look, the old man was a complex individual. He would never say the words. He probably thought it was a pipe dream, a waste of my time. But... I did work out of the basement for at least four years rent-free. With my father, that is a huge gesture without the spoken word of encouragement. Looking back on it, I truly do appreciate that. And I think he would be proud of me. And with that second influx of capital, the game finally begins to take off. As it begins to get bigger and bigger, a young Daniel O'Krent. Becomes obsessed with the game and he begins working on his creation of rotisserie and fantasy baseball. And sidebar here, a little nugget of info I found in the research. Not only is Okrit the creator of fantasy and roto baseball, he is also credited with creating the stat whip. And that was derivative of all the time he spent studying the strat baseball cards. EA Sports founder, Trip Hawkins, was consumed by Strat football, and he would use it as a springboard for the Madden NFL football games. Ogret has called it the genesis of his creation, and said it was the first sophisticated game that baseball fans could play and feel like they are replicating the excitement of a real baseball game. The detailed statistical breakdowns were vastly superior to anything that had preceded it. Baseball historian John Thorne loves to point out that the game actually elevated thought about the numbers and influenced a whole generation of sabermetricians. The game from just the bedrooms of little boys to now the executive offices of grown men who make decisions in baseball. A 2002 Baseball American Survey survey of Major League Front Office execs showed that almost 60% of Major League Baseball's movers and shakers played the game religiously as young boys. And a 2004 edition of Baseball's 100 Most Important People in the History of the Game and total, uh, the, that was in the, the uh, Total Baseball publication. Richmond was 82nd. Today, Richmond acknowledges that the game influenced the rise of metrics. But he says that was unforeseen and unplanned. And he admits he was a batting average guy, just like everyone else back then. I'm proud that I could make a game that would bring happiness and the MLB experience into your home, as well as provoke thought about how he reads stats. And he absolutely loves metrics today. Richmond also acknowledges that like most Americans, he has lost contact with his own creation. He is surprised that the game has endured and did see a revival during the pandemic. And there is an uh, evocation of an unheard past, and a connection that still exists in the game 's base of hardcore devotees today, they are still rolling them dice, looking for that feeling they had the first time they played, and it reminds them of being fifteen years old again. personally, I think the biggest alert to the game is the fact that it has a roster of players who have more than likely touched the players lives uh, life in somewhat and sometime. Uh, and in some universe far, far away. A good sports game must be fun and realistically speak to the current product. You need two opposing forces to fairly collaborate and orchestrate the action. And very few of those sport board games were able to find that balance back in the day the way Strat did. Richmond had aspirations for his creation, but he could have never imagined that 60 years later, there would be CMEDs playing in tournaments, holding Strat conventions. Richmond was just looking to build a life with Stratomatic. Get married, have some kids, send them to college, that was pretty much the extent of it. Stratomatic was a pleasure, then a job, a financial burden, a challenge to his future. A success and now its legacy is set in stone. The father stacked the odds against the son and through it all, Hal Richmond found an amazing record of incomprehensible success at the end of the journey. He created something that would link him forever to, this, to his favorite sport and he had made something of himself with the idea of an 11 year old kid. And folks, That is the story of the Stratomatic creator, Hal Richmond. I love stories like this. Just a kid who adores the national pastime, creates his vision, and packs not only other sports games in the following years to come, but also how we view the game's numbers, the evolving strategies, as well as the abilities and success of teams and the front offices. Very, very cool. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Let's take a break here. Now that I have the background and the story of the creation of Stratomatic, I'm going to dig into the rules of play and add some final notes and thoughts on this game that still goes on today. As we traverse the wormholes to get this time travel to go back to Terrapin Station 2023. BRB, you freaks. Sit tight. Don't go nowhere. Shoes, put the and let me ride. It must be the shoes, red and black G6s, red down the clock. I'm going three times flat them dog, how do I Boy, stop? Show me,
3: me you got. Show Howdy, y'all. This is Big Tex Gage the executive producer of Backwards K Pond. In Texas, we do everything big. After football and golf, there's probably nothing I love more than going fishing and enjoying a good crawfish board. The only thing I dislike about going fishing is the lingering odor it can leave on your hands afterwards. Well, the Fish and Hand Cleaner is an all-natural liquid soap perfect for overpowering fish and bait odors from your hands. I can't tell you how many times I've eaten steamed crabs, lobster, shrimp, crawfish and then washed my hands with regular soap only to touch my eyes half hour later and my face begins to melt off due to the damn Cajun no Bay Spice. Well, we also have a hand cleaner specifically formulated to use after eating shellfish and other seafoods. Perfect for cleaning spicy, smelly hands after a Texas-sized seafood feast. In these cases, don't settle for anything less than our crawfish hand cleaning, our craft hand cleaner, or the fishing hand cleaner An ingenious trifecta of natural hand soaps developed and owned by a disabled Navy veteran. He and Jake have a true connection, as they were boot camp shipmates all the way back in 1989. So he is family, folks. And one thing we do here at the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network is look out for family. So you can support two grassroot companies by two former shipmate Navy vets. Crushing big bowls of shellfish or fishing on the banks of your favorite river while you listen to BKP. Sounds like a great day. You In no fact, hey mom, where are my poles? I'm gone fishing. There is also a Buffalo Wing Hand Cleaner in development as we speak. To check all of the incredible products of this great company, you can go to www.crawfishhandcleaner.com or call the Home Offices at 713-588-0290. That's 713-588-0290. To support... The grassroots company that supports your grassroots podcast show. That's CrawfishHandcleaner dot com or 713 290 To prepare for your summer time shellfish feast or that fishing trip you're planning. CrawfishHandCleaner.com.
4: Please imagine my surprise. When I opened my
0: front door to find about a half dozen naked folks
4: sprawled out in my living room, engaged in what can only be described as a desperate and a hungry kind of a lovemaking. And right in the center of it all was my wife.
0: My wife, Lucy. She was wearing a strap on,
4: and she was plowing our neighbor, Bob Greenwald. And folks, I do mean right in the ass. Fastball misses. Just low. Count goes full. Three and two. Did you just say strap-on? Hey, for you kids at home. Uh, strap-on is a belt with a dildo on it that mommy's used to penetrate daddy's as a Banyez strikes out on a high fastball. That'll bring Clark up to bat. Clark having himself a heck of an afternoon with two doubles. Bob Greenwald. Bob Greenwald! And that two-faced SOB. I hosted his kid's bar mitzvah. I hosted
3: his
0: kid's bar mitzvah. Here's a kicker. Here's one kills me. My wife, Lucy, has the stone. She has the
4: unmitigated gall to turn to me and tell me that she
3: is a sexual astronaut. I mean, what is that? What does that even mean? I mean, granted, Bob Greenwald's ass might be as big as the goddamn moon. That does not mean that my wife has been to outer space, okay? And that is a deep fly ball to right center field. That moon is way back there. That's either out of here or lost Jim inside it. my wife's bed. Chilton for God. Congratulations, Dan Hobart of Sedalia.
1: I only hope you enjoy gelatin half as much as my lovely wife enjoys. But nobody played more APBA than I did growing up. In fact, my mother—God bless her—the greatest mom ever used to say to her boys once in a while, I'm going to burn that game, because that was the only (laughs) thing we did when we weren't actually watching a game on TV or or playing the game. We played APBA, I could tell you, a thousand stories. I merged that into Stratomatic, which I played for, uh, uh, for years and years. Again... All by myself, Todd, just like you, up in my bedroom. My friends are out in high school (laughs) drinking beer and chasing after girls, and I'm playing a game by myself in my bedroom. I'm announcing it softly, out loud, and routinely, I would do what you did. I would write a little recap of the game. And it was really important to me. But me, don't be me, I thought, well, I must be the only sports writer that did this. As it turns out, you and dozens of other baseball right. writers that I've met did this. But it was really encouraging when I found out that Kurt, that uh, Keith Hernandez once told me, oh, I played Stratomatic all the time when, really? I, was, when I was in high school. And he told me, I got drafted to go play pro ball, he said. And when I'm packing my suitcase to go play pro ball, I packed my Stratomatic. And he said his father came to him and said, Keith, you're a professional baseball player. You're not taking that game with you. And he said, but Dad, I'm halfway through the 1970 season. So it was so encouraging to see that others did this. In fact, I I covered a game in Minneapolis once with John Miller, Hall of Fame broadcaster, was the Mm -hmm. play-by-play of the game that night. I was the beat guy covering the Orioles, and John was the play-by-play guy. So I accidentally left something in the press box my notebook or something he called me to say I have your notebook come on upstairs and get it when I go up to his room it's like midnight he has just called a major league game and he's up there playing stratomatic by himself he loves the Blue Jays teams and he would say yeah I'd love to put Dwayne Ward in the eighth and Tom Hankey of the Ninth, and I was just so struck. <laughs> Here's a guy who's on his way to the Hall of Fame is still playing Stratabatic after calling a Major League game. Time to play the game. Time to
4: play the game. <laughs> And if you can take it, it's all about your debt And if you can play it, it's all about pain And who's gonna make it? I am the game, you don't wanna play me I am
0: control, no way you can change me I am heavy debt, no way you
4: can pay me I am the pain, and I know you can't take me Look over your shoulder, ready to run Like a toilet bed from a smoking gun I am the game,
0: and I make you lose the movement I'm trying to figure out
4: what my mood's gonna be. Come on over, son, I don't you ask me. Don't you forget there's a price you can pay. Because I am the game and I want to play. Okay, freaks. Welcome back to Backwards K-Pod, where we collect ballplayers and their stories. And this week, I've been talking about the 1961 baseball board game called Stratomatic. Which is probably the most popular and successful of all baseball board games. Uh, It's got a, you know, to this day it still has a cult following. But, of course, like most board games today, these games now sit in many closets. Collecting dust along with Monopoly, Clue, and Hungry Hungry Hippos. But, man, did this game have a run. The impetus came from the brainchild of... 11 year old Hal Richmond out of Great Neck, New York, who officially launched his company from his parents' basement. The uh, game is a big hit amongst him and his CMED friends, but it doesn't take off like he had anticipated. By 1963, he approaches his ball busting father for a $5,000 loan, or, you know, $5,000 in today's economy is $50,000. And he needs this just to put his game over the top. Irvin Richmond would oblige, but under the condition that the loan needed to be paid in full by the winner, or the son would have to work the family insurance business with him and his uncle. And forever keep up this frivolous endeavor. Hal believes in the game so much, even if others do not, that he accepts the deal. The rest is history. The game takes off. Hal pays back the loan in full. And for the next two years, he's running the Strat brand, Adam's Parents Basement. And now, some 60 years later, the game still has a stronghold on seam around the world. So, with the backstory of the game's creation laid down for posterity, let's take a look at some of the rules of how you play this game. And any other nuggets of info I can share with you before I break out. In many ways, it's almost like an offspring... Of fantasy sports, two fantasy sports, I should say. But with the outcomes relying on the roll of a dice, you set the pitching rotation, you write up the batting order, line up your bully, and this was an absolute brand new concept in 1961, folks. It's pretty simple. You can lay against someone, you can play against someone, or by yourself, which was another huge selling point of the game initially. While you can play yourself, obviously the game itself needs two opposing teams. And for the sake of confusion, I will explain the game in one-on-one terms. Both players have two sets of cards. You have hitting cards and pitching cards. Hitters have three columns, numbered one through three, while the pitchers have four, five, and six. Each column then has results numbered two through twelve, with the occasional modifier on those results numbered one through twenty. And according to Bob Costas, who is, uh, whenever one of his guys came up to bat, you had to notch a guy and place it in front of yourself. The opponent places his pitcher in front of the batter. The batter then rolls one white dice, two red dice, and the 1-20 through modifier die. The white die gives you the column column on either uh, your batter or pitcher card. The two red die determine the results in the appropriate columns, and the twenty face die is used occasionally to modify the results of the two red dice. Rather than focusing on individual pitchers or swings, the game condenses each plate appearance into one uh, play, and, meaning it gives you the result of the play in one roll. And back and forth you play through the whole nine innings or extra inning games. And if you're an old schooler like me, you don't even need to use a ghost hunter for extra frames. It's your fucking call. You're the GM, the manager, each ball player on your roster, all wrapped up in an easy to manage presentation. But... For me, what really makes Stratomatic the great game that it continues to be and an always changing technological and information-driven culture of the 2000s is its attention to details and the continuous upgrades as the game has evolved. On the website, they claim to do over 1,200 hours of research a year to update players and teams, and the data collecting sp- uh, the data collecting expands over decades. They have stats for teams in the early 1900s to the modern game that we consume today. They even cover the American Negro Leagues. In fact, Stratomatic was one of the very first statistical research companies to accumulate all the hidden stats of the Negro Leagues. The game has tried to remain True to the sport, as well as Richmond's childhood vision, and has made serious efforts in their commitment to historical accuracy in their research, and it shows. Now, look, it can get pricey. The more team cards you collect, the more it's going to cost you, obviously. There is a cheaper option called Stratomatic Express. It's a condensed version of the game, and it looks to be a fantastic introduction for those who may be unsure about their commitment. It covers the full gamut and the mechanics involved to give you a sense of what the full version is like. Now, those that want to jump right into the kiddie pool with the piranhas, Strat has three types of rules. Basic, Advanced, and Super Advanced. Mostly, these three rules just add more in tables, but it also tightens up on pitcher fatigue and lefty-righty splits. The advanced rules are modular, so you can customize your league to your preference as there are a ton of advanced rules. How Richmond was the first to be able to invent a baseball board game that played to tendencies. For example, if Mickey Mantle walked in 17.1 of his plate appearances and doubled in 2.6% of them, well, that was what the Strat Card strived to recreate with the roll of a dice. He was able to break the game down on a more granular level. And it's the same formula the company uses today over 60 years later. Stratomatic still releases a new version of cards each spring based on updated stats, as well as all the retro Negro Leagues and Hall of Fame versions. Now, using dice is just straight old school, right? And some people love that. And using them, but using them to determine outcomes of plate appearances, it was innovative for several decades and sure beat the hell out of that clumsy, fl- flimsy cardboard spinner Richmond used to wear out in the previous games. Uh, the dice have become passé when we have, you know, these computers to simulate a season in like five fucking minutes. However, the care and attention to detail that Strat puts into developing these player cards it keeps the game very realistic as Stratomatic has evolved with the game. There is still something very magical about the roll of a dice to hold your prayers on, even if you know, ah. Uh, you can play the, you know, the digital version on apps or on your PC. A simulation game may tell you that a player just randomly hit a single. But Strat will always show you the batter hit a single because you just rolled a three eight. And much like Miguel Cabrera... Stratomatic was once a revelation that dominated the baseball industry for years. Now it's older and slower than its competition. It certainly isn't as sexy as the new digital forms of baseball gaming today, but it's still a lot of fun in the right setting, and it is my belief that it belongs in the Hall of Fame. While Strat will never be uh, the go to game for seam heads anymore after its incredible run through the past decades, uh, I would suggest that maybe you dust it off every once in a while. Sit down and give it another shot. And I promise, you're going to hit that sweet little geeky sweet spot inside all of us true seam heads, no matter your age. For inventor Hal Richmond, the legendary game was his way of escaping from his loud and chaotic difficult childhood. For generations of seameds who had the privilege of enjoying his creation, it's just been an escape. In March of 2011, Hal Richmond was inducted into the National Jewish Sports Hall of Fame. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, seam heads of all ages, this is the story of the baseball game, Stratomatic. And I know that this week's topic was a little different than where I usually take us. But I really enjoyed learning about scrat this week. i got to send this one out to the Godfather, Don Mason, out in Tennessee. He asked me a year ago if I'd be interested in doing this. And how are you going to turn down the Godfather? That guy's been a booster for this show. He's been backing me since day one. And when your Godfather asks you a favor, you handle that. And I'm not sure how many downloads are listening. It's going to pull in from the younger demographics. But like I said, there's still a cult following. I know board games have, for the most part, they ran their course in society today. But I think the game has been very influential in the baseball games that we play and consume today, including fantasy sports. This was literally the precursor to fantasy. As well as this game's influence on how we read and digest stats. If my grandfather were to miraculously walk through the studio today and sit next to me, he would be absolutely dumbfounded how baseball stats have evolved. Whether you like sabermetrics or load them, Stratomatic is one of the biggest reasons that we use them today. Thank you for spending time with me this week. I hope you enjoyed hearing the story as much as I enjoyed presenting it. And I promise to try to be better next week. Here at Backwards K Pod, where we collect ball players and their stories. So, as I prepare to hit these wormholes to get us back to Terrapin Station, I put a backwards K in the books next to Stratomatic. And as I watch her get smaller and smaller in my rearview mirror, I turn my attention once again to our never-say-die baseball hydra. And with one swing of my sharpened katana, I chopped the head off that beast, only to see two more baseball topics grow in its place. Next week, we're going to learn about one of the greatest relief pitchers of all time. Certainly, the greatest mustache ever in baseball history. We're going to go in hard on the great Raleigh Fingers. I can't wait. I know very little about his backstory, and I'm chomping at the bit to take the mound and throw you another no-no, guys. Hall of Famer, Raleigh Fingers. But... You already know. That's another story. Pour another pot. Here at Backwards K Pod where we collect ball players and their stories. I will never charge you for the baseball content here at BKP. No Patreon, no Twitch, no pay to play bonus uh you know bonus pots. I'm gonna put in the work every week for this you know this just I love you guys. Greatest baseball podcast audience ever and on the planet right now. I'm going to come through every Tuesday with that free baseball smoke. You don't want that smoke. And I'm going to keep it consistent like Michael Jack Schmidt, you seamheads, You got something you want to say to me? I ain't hard to find. I'm all tangled up in the web, bro. I'm on virtually every podcast platform out there, and I love kicking it with you guys. Haters and fans alike. You can email the show, backwardskpod, at gmail.com. The show's Twitter handle is at back, underscore k, underscore pocket. Hey, uh, what is this? Twitter's now X. Is that the deal now? Uh, what kind of Superman hero villain bullshit is that? X-Core, give me a break. That dude's wacko, man. Our YouTube channel is Backwards Came Hot, or I'm um, usually, I'm just chilling with the seam heads out at the private Facebook, Facebook group page, the Let's Talk Baseball Podcast Network. Please remember to share the show with any of your c head buddies who haven't found us yet. Please leave a rate review on any platform that offers that opportunity. It helps me to continue to do what I love to do more than anything in this world, and that is bring the history of the greatest sport ever to five folks such as yourself. I love all of you. See you next week with Raleigh Fingers. Parents, if you see your kid sitting on the couch with their nose in the bones of the board and productive AF, by all means, take those little monkeys outside. And play a game of cash. Thank you guys so much for all the love and support. God bless this audience and win the day. And like my boy Shea Hillibrand told me in our one on one sparring session in the dojo last year, you go to hell, Andy Pettit. See you next week, freaks. Peace.